and welcome to the End in Mind podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin, the owner of Meraki Media Management. The End in Mind is a place where we come to share stories, tips, and strategies of many entrepreneurs, creatives, business owners, and just some people that aren't willing to live the traditional lifestyle. We talk about how to live outside of the box today and how to incorporate what really is important in your life to keep that end goal always in mind. Again, if you would like to reach out to me in any type of way, you can find me on Instagram at Meraki underscore media underscore management. And I hope to hear from you all soon. Thanks so much and enjoy our show. everybody. Welcome back to the End in Mind podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin. I'm so excited to be here with a wonderful guest today, Camille. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about yourself, like how you got started and how we met was through Instagram, which I always love to share on the podcast because it's such a great platform to connect, but you also have a great following and multiple businesses. So just give us your rundown. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. I love podcasting and meeting people. And I feel like that's what boosted me to start a podcast in 2020 was because I was really missing that engagement with other people, learning from other people. And I am a life student. So I am very multi-passionate and I am a mother of four. So you can imagine that wanting to pursue business outside of being a mother takes ambition (laughs) because motherhood in and of itself is crazy. And I honor every mother that is out there and what it takes to be a mom today is just amazing. So for me, it was funny because I started the transition of wanting to create and reach outside of my home after I was a mom of two children. And I had been in the finance business for about six years. I was doing mortgages. And for those of you who are around in 2008, that was when we had the big market crash and all of the mortgage businesses were were falling under. And that's when I lost my job. And so I also became a mother in 2008. And a few years later decided that I wanted to reach outside the walls of my home and teach others and learn from others online. So I started a blog called mymommystyle.com which was pretty much taking everything I had done for my career as far as my formal education, family and consumer science education. I'm a certified teacher and thought, man, if I, I want to talk about parenting and recipes and interior design and child development and relationships, all the things I would have been teaching in a traditional classroom and brought them to the interweb on a blog, which at the time was, it was really new. It was something that people were doing kind of as more of a journal keeping situation. It wasn't considered a career. It wasn't even considered something that people were taking seriously. If you were a mommy blogger, that's a, a title that stuck and many hate because it did start that way where it was kind of more of this journal keeping situation where now I have blogger friends that make multi-millions that are doing incredibly well and where I was able to build up six figures income doing that and working with sponsors and brands I then morphed into I want to help coach moms that want to build businesses and so that's what I'm doing more now is blogging, influencing, but also coaching and sharing stories of mothers building business on my podcast, Call Me CEO. 
It's amazing. It's so, I love your journey because as I've like expanded my business as well, you know, it's so inspiring. And I think at times that unknown is what holds me up. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners feel the same way. It's like, what's next? You know, am I walking away? I used to literally say this to my mom, like, am I walking away from income, you know? And how do I make that decision like for my happiness? And I feel like you've totally made that shift and you've been able to do both while also being a mom of four, like it's miraculous. So can you tell us more about how that shift went for you and what that journey looked like as you were expanding into coaching? Yeah. You know, and I, what's really interesting for those of you who are listening and for even me, as I, I listen and follow mentors and different people who have gone before me is that you see an end product or you see where someone is years and years after many failures that you don't see. And so I certainly have had those along the way where I've had things I've brought to market that haven't done very well, or that I haven't marketed well with a marketing plan. And what I discovered along the way is that what was holding me back was not only a a sense of need for perfection, but also a sense that I have to be good at doing all the parts. And so what really fuels my ability to grow was when I brought on team members mm-hmm. as virtual assistants. And so now as I'm teaching moms to build businesses, that's actually one of the things that I teach in a course called 60 Days to VA is how to use your specific skill set to become a virtual assistant and help other people grow their businesses. Because mm-hmm. each of us has zones of genius that we're really good at. Each of us have things that make us feel like, oh, marketing or oh, email, mar- emails or social media or customer relations, whatever the thing is that gives you that oh feeling, that's a good sign that there is someone out there that loves that and mm-hmm. could become a team player for you and help expand your business in a way you would never have imagined before. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so well said. Like when I brought on my team members, I felt the same way. And now that we're kind of, you know, just adjusting the business, things change and roles change, but it's exactly like what you said, finding their zone of genius as well, like what works for them. And if a VA can show up and take some of that off your plate, it's like amazing. And a lot of us can make do with that early on in our business. So it's so great that you help moms navigate, you know, how to add that on or how to expand because it does get to a point where you can't hold all the plates up at once, you know? Yeah, it can be a lot. So tell me more about your influencing business, just out of curiosity myself, like, how did that work for you? Because I just want to share for our listeners, which you guys can all check out um, Camille's accounts below and we'll have all the links for you. But Camille has almost 50,000 followers on Instagram. So it's very significant. And she's really kicked butt through her blogging business as she's explained. So tell us what that's like and even how you were able to outsource some of that work, because I think that that's also an amazing goal that I strive for as well. Yeah. Thank you. You know, Instagram, I'll admit has been the bumpiest road for me as far as growth and mental wellness and like what the heck is going on. And so for me, I think for a long time, I thought, uh, Instagram was a supplement to my blogging business to get people over to my blog, which is where I was uh, like incurring the most income from ads and sponsors and different things like that. And so if I could go back, I would have looked at Instagram as its own channel of business instead of trying to get someone from 
come over here to come see this over here. It's really hard to cross markets. And so I found that to be the case with podcasting, although it can work, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, Twitter. Uh, there were times I was doing Periscope or uh, just to Facebook, whatever it is that you're doing. So while I do enjoy having many different pockets of social media and influence, I think that they are all very different animals. And so if there's one that you love and you feel really uh, comfortable and you feel like you have an engaged community there, it's always better to focus on the one than try to be the master of many. That's something where I have had help with that because in Instagram, especially, I think I got to a place of burnout and I'm trying to, and now that it's more video, I'm like, okay, I'm going to start creating more capstone content where I can create it once and spread it everywhere to YouTube shorts, Instagram reels, Pinterest stories, uh, uh, TikToks, you know, where it's like video content is king now. Yeah. And what I've learned over the past decade plus is that you have to be willing to adapt and change to the social media platform and what it is that they want. And so now it's video. So it's like, wow. if you feel like a fool showing up for video and you're not quite sure what you're doing, yeah. everyone else is feeling that same way too. So as far as like working with sponsors, if that, if that's the question you're asking about, one of the number one things that I've learned over the course of, of time is that sponsors want to work with someone who represents the ideals and values of their brand. Mm. And so if you have like a wish list of sponsors or brands or advertisers that you want to work with, pay attention to who they are, the mm. values they represent who they're engaging with, or even specific hashtags that they've created themselves, like branded hashtags or hashtags that they follow. And that's a really clear roadmap to how do I want to create content that is in, in alignment with their core values. Mm -hmm. And that can be something that helps you not only identify what those core values are for yourself, like why is it that you want to work with that brand and how do you teach or, or learn or grow or entertain in yeah. a way that would attract that, that sponsor or that partner. And what's really interesting too, about sponsors and working with advertisements in that way, if I could go back again, when I was blogging, a lot of brands were coming to us and saying, Hey, we want you to try out this spaghetti sauce, or we want you to try out mm -hmm. this, these children's clothing or a sleep sack or this bottle or pacifier, or whatever the thing was. A lot of mine was focused around travel, family, and food, um, and entertainment. Those are kind of the pockets that I have partnered with different brands for. But one thing that they really wanted you to do was to storytell around their product. And, mm -hmm. and to create kind of like this in immersive story and how does this already play into what you're doing? Mm -hmm. If I could go back, especially with Instagram is I would try to tell my own story first with the product before they ever reached out to me, because I think it kind of created this distrust of like, oh, she's only talking about this thing because she's getting paid to do it, you sure. know, and, and yeah. that kind of vibe felt so icky to me. And so honestly, that's what kind of steered me away from wanting to do that work as much because I got burnt out from doing that, even though I loved it and yeah. I, I loved the experience of it and, um, getting products sent to you is so fun. And I remember the first time I got paid like $50 to talk yeah. about a product and I was like, Oh my gosh, this is the best thing ever. And then realizing <laughs> that what's interesting too, is that a lot of people now are creating UGC content, which mm -hmm. is basically where you pretend like you are um, either an actor or 
um, someone who has used the product and you create basically stock video for the brand to use on their own social media channels. Wow. Yes. So rather than, so for example, I saw someone on TikTok the other day who creates this type of content for, she contracts with different brands and I think she'll do like, I don't know exactly what the contract is because I was watching kind of how she, how she lays it out, but she's she's making like 10 to $15,000 a month by, by partnering, let's say with six different brands, but she creates TikTok or video content for them three to five days a week. So it's pretty, it's pretty intensive, the amount that she's creating, but so many of these brands now are like, I don't have, I don't have the creative ideas to create video all of the time. How do I use this product? How do I talk about it in a way that, that seems like, and then also having rights to that product because that's influencers. I'm like going, I'm like spewing all this information. No, I love it. (laughs) Okay. So as an influencer, you have a contract that's written up for perpetuity, for how long they can reuse it, for how, how long they can use your image or your likeness. And they have to pay, um, for all of that. It gets really, really in the weeds, you know? And so Ah. if someone was to come to a brand and say, Hey, I want to create stock video that belongs to you, but it uses my content or my likeness brands are paying for that. And you don't even have to have a following yourself. You just create the content for them to use on their page so that it looks as though they have influencers creating it and sharing it with them. Does that make sense? Totally. I'm like over this conversation. (laughs) I can do this, you know, I'm sure you totally, yeah, you totally could. The person I was watching, you know, she would have, she would have create a video of like having flower ship to her or like yeah. one of those massage guns. And that's the thing is that a, a lot of brands, what they want is they want to have create content created so that they can repurpose it for their own yeah. usage. Right. Unless back in like the more influencer type, it's you, they're borrowing your audience. But right. now that, but now that uh, brands themselves are saying, well, why don't we grow our own audience? They're starting to pay for people strictly to just make the video content so that they have content fit to fill their pages. That is so cool. And I yeah. love that you're explaining this trend. It's a huge shift in the market, you know, mm-hmm. like now the content creators are going to be subcontracted out, which honestly, as being in the business for this long, I'm not sure if this resonates with you. It's kind of like, it's about damn time, you know, some of these people, like people have done this for years and they've never quite found their place, you know? So Mm -hmm. that's amazing. And that's really exciting for job opportunities too. Like young kids that are amazing at TikToks and a client of mine, we actually just brought on, we're taking on like very minimal management clients right now, just because it's like mental health, exactly like how you said, which yeah. I would love to loop back to later if you're like yeah. comfortable with sharing about that. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. That's something we talk about frequently here on the end in mind. It's like a big topic because as business owners, we have to be on the platform to be successful. That's how it feels. That's what we're told. And we do, you know, we have to have a presence, but it can totally mess us up a little bit. And with this management client, we've been doing TikToks and looking at trends. And it was so funny, like the trends that my team had pulled, I was explaining to her, these are like not edited clips. Like this is like an everyday gas station that Arizona Ice Tea has somebody walking into and just creating 
product out of, you know, like it's branded product images or video. And she was like, oh yeah, like that's so interesting. I was like, yeah, so you don't have to have like full glam when you're doing a video. People want authenticity. Like that's how much the market has shifted over these past few months. And I see it now more than ever on TikTok. And Mm -hmm. it took me a while to get on TikTok. I'll be honest. Like it's very recent for me. And now that I'm on it, it's makes so much sense. You know, like people just want to see their product involved in their everyday lifestyle. It's like, how does this seamlessly fit in? It makes sense, you know? When yeah. You yeah. I like TikTok more for that reason, because it feels like a much more welcoming space. However, mm-hmm. there are a lot of trolls. Don't get me wrong. There are a lot of trolls, but I feel like TikTok is, is embraces the messy more than Instagram does. Totally. And that's honestly, that's why I avoided like really putting my whole heart and soul into Instagram is because it felt inauthentic to me. And where I represent moms, I always felt like if I show up and I'm taking pictures of me with my kids, or I'm doing these activities of me with my kids or whatever, I just didn't want any mom to come on there and be like, well, I'm not doing those things. I'm not good enough. Or I'm not, you know, where like, if someone's going to Pinterest and they're looking for a craft or activity or recipe or whatever it is, they're looking for that. And they're like, awesome. I found the thing. And then they go to your website and they're doing the thing, which is the kind of content I was used to creating. Then Instagram came along and I was like, crap. I just feel like I I would get messages of like, how do you do it all? Or why do this or that? Or that, you know, and I just, it felt, it felt slimy. It felt slimy in the, in the mom department. And then TikTok came along and I was like, yes, messy bun, no makeup. Like these are my people. And I just, I feel like TikTok has created this space of like, just show up how you are. And as a creator still, I'm like, oh crap, but I have to make it look pretty. Like there's always that in the back of your head, because that's what we have been trained sells because we're trying to mimic a professional magazine or a TV ad or whatever it is. And so it's an interesting space to be in because there's definitely a tug and pull of that where you'll yeah. put in a whole bunch of time and effort into a video and it'll totally flop. And then you put one up and you just slap a funny quote or do something really silly on top of it and people love it. So yeah. that's one thing that I would just suggest everyone that's listening is that sometimes, especially if you're starting a new platform, it is about putting it out there and just being comfortable with the messy, not knowing what your audience will love because you kind of are figuring it out together. Yes, that's such a good point. And I think that that's what happened for me was like my huge mental health shift. Like when I went at it experimenting, it took all the pressure off, like all the stress. And I know that you mentioned earlier, like you're a perfectionist. We definitely are like as the collective and in mind community, we all struggle with it. And it's really hard being a creator, being an influencer, like we're being paid to show up on the platform. Mm -hmm. And especially when you're operating from integrity, which most perfectionists are, you know, that's why we care so much. And then if people are having this reaction, that's like you said, these moms, they feel like they're comparing themselves. Like that's a huge thing that I always talk about on my platform too. I'm like, you don't have to be perfect. Like I would rather you not be perfect, you know, Yeah. now. So tell me more about, you know, what that mental health journey was. Like, I know you touched on it with the mom's mm-hmm. comparison. Is there other layers to that? Yes. A hundred percent. There are so many layers. I mean, after you've been doing this for more than a decade, there are, there are peaks and valleys. I know that there were times I can talk both professionally and personally, there were times where 
I would see people that I knew and loved and had been a cohort with and mm-hmm. see them take off. And on one side being like, yes, this is so awesome. And then in other parts of my brain being like, I need to filter what I'm seeing right now because it's triggering me to feel bad about myself. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's okay for you to mute or to filter what's coming in, knowing that you still love and support them and you have nothing but good energy for them, but knowing maybe for yourself, you need a minute. Like one personal example was I had just recently had a baby and I was like nursing and like sagging and bagging and leaking everywhere. And I had a friend who I had encouraged to do a fitness Uh, she was actually kind of doing everything. And I said, you know, you should really do at-home workouts. And she did. She started doing like CrossFit and mindfulness and yoga and like her page exploded and she is so hot and she looks so good. And all the things And I, for a while I had to, I had to like mute her because I was like, she looks so good. She is so in alignment with like this direction. And it was something I had keyed her onto, which I'm so happy for her. Like, of course I want her to succeed, but in that time mentally, I wasn't able to support her seeing it every day, even though in my heart, I like supported and loved her. So that was one, as far as business, another hard time for me was I took some really bad advice from a friend who started to do Instagram management. And it was like five years ago when follow and follow was like this big thing. And, oh, this is the best way to grow. I didn't know that that's what her tactic was for growing my account. And the minute I found out, I said, we can't do this anymore. It had been like maybe four to six months and my account grew a ton. And I was like, this is so awesome. What are you doing? And she's like, oh, I just have this new way of growing it. But we didn't really get into the weeds of like, what it was. And so once I found out what, what it was, I went through and unfollowed all of the like spammy looking accounts. And I dropped my following in like 10,000 in a week. And ever since I did that on Instagram, that account has struggled, struggled so hard. And I regret so much that I took that advice and trusted that friend and, and did that because growing it from that point of like losing, (laughs) That like Insta, that like algorithm, whatever it was, it messed up my account big time, big time. So where I have like a new account for my podcast, or I have other accounts like on TikTok where it's over a hundred thousand, or my Pinterest, it's almost two hundred thousand. Like that grew organically and so much better than the one that I gave over to a friend that said she had this great way to grow my account, and I am still kicking myself because it has affected my algorithm and like the engagement of like people who really want to be there. So I, so I, I regret that. And I, and so when I went through that phase of like knowing what had happened and then like trying to redeem the account after that and making it look like shady, like, why is it this way? It just, I don't know. That was a really hard time for me. So especially like during the pandemic really slowed down on Instagram because I felt like it wasn't my most authentic place because of everything that happened with my account. And I didn't want it to seem shady, even though I knew that I, that wasn't how the whole account was built. And that wasn't like what what really was my intention or anything like that. That was a really 
I don't know, that was just a really hard place for me to be. So don't fall into the tricks of someone saying that they know the get, it's like the get rich quick. Like it's always going to be the slow and steady, the personal relationships, making social media social, like we did, like actually making a connection that counts. So that would be probably one of the lowest parts. And then getting out of that, of like, it's not about the numbers. It's about serving the people. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But that's such an amazing like arc. And I'm so glad that you shared that and you're open to sharing it. Cause so many Mm -hmm. people would be like, hold that story tight. You know, I had my experience as well. Like before I started managing Instagrams, I was like, well, if people can just buy followers, this is three years ago. Now I was like, well, I guess I have to try it. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to buy 500 or buy it. I think I bought a hundred at the time, but my account was like, had 50 followers. So it was like a big deal. And when I did, it totally killed everything. You know, I had to like delete all of them. I was lucky that my account was small enough that I was able to, you know, delete them at the time, but I've totally been there and it killed, it tanked everything. Like the 50 people that I did have that cared never saw the posts, you know, (laughs) it's like a nightmare when that happens. Yeah. But again, it's all about the game and we don't always know, like I had no clue, you know, I was doing all this research. Nobody was talking about it openly in the space, which was a lot like follow on follow a few years ago as well. Mm -hmm. No one was really sharing it. It was kind of like this secret, you know, that they held close in the social media space. And then everything shifts as well. Like I think at the beginning, of course that worked and the account was so Instagram was so new and everybody's just trying to be famous, you know, and it's like so different. People have changed obviously through life experiences and all of this stuff. So I just find it amazing that you've stuck it out on all these other platforms. You have so many amazing followers across the board. And that's also their platform of choice. Like how you said, they Mm -hmm. like Pinterest or some of them might not even be on social media anymore for comparisonitis reasons and things like that. Like a client I just onboarded, her partner does not have Instagram at all. Like she's anti-Instagram. So Mm -hmm. Some people, it just doesn't work, you know, when other platforms serve them better. So that I could not agree more. I think that's great advice. Yeah. It's been really interesting. And I think that that's something to remember too, is that it doesn't, a lot of people that have been, have been around for a long time on Instagram and had older accounts like that are starting brand new and growing so much more quickly. And so I, that's why I started a new account for my podcast. Cause I was like, this is its own thing anyway. But honestly, there have been times that I'm like, when I have had friends that are like, I just don't do it anymore. I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on Instagram. I'm not on TikTok, whatever. And I'm like, oh man, that would be nice. (laughs) Like There are times that I feel like that too. So if you're feeling like that and you're feeling that sense of burnout, get other people involved like yourself who can help with that, keeping up the momentum of like excitement for why you're creating the content and why you're there and what the purpose of your business is all around, because I think that that will translate in the content that you're creating and where and how you show up. I know it has for me. It's so true. Yeah. Like just stick with what works. And I love that you said that and getting some help, like we all Mm -hmm. need help in our businesses and 
yeah, a lot of people that just started early in 2020, like they probably haven't hired people yet, you know, and it's, it's about time. Like if that is you listening, reach out to one of us, we can help you, you know, we're happy to help. So with that being said, can you tell us more about how our listeners can get in touch with you and your program that you mentioned the 60 days to VA? And I'm sure we have a lot of mom listeners as well that might be interested in that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So I have a, I have a lot of little pockets of things to help. If you're looking for recipes, activities, journaling with your kids, I created a journal called time for us. It's parents and children's journal. That's interactive for kids ages two to 12. I just got it up on Amazon, which is awesome because I was doing a whole thing with China and and printing. And that was a nightmare during 2020. And I thought, you know, I just need to get this on Amazon. So it's amazing. It's purposeful and intentional ways to be with your kids. And so that's number one. Number two, if you are looking for inspiration for other mom entrepreneurs and the way that they're balancing life and everything else, you can check out the podcast, call me CEO. I also offer a course called 60 days to VA, where I teach moms from the ground up, how to build their own virtual assistant business. And then I'm also now coaching entrepreneurs and matching them with my virtual assistant graduates. So if you're someone who's like, oh, I need someone, but I don't know who I can trust or what I need to charge or how I even get a VA to work with me in an effective way that I'm coaching on that as well. And then on top of that too, I coach moms on how to create a healthy balance for you with work, business, and life and how to create that piece for you. So you can find me at call me CEO podcast on Instagram and also at CamilleWalker.co. CamilleWalker.co is my website domain. So if you go to CamilleWalker.co, you can see the podcast, the courses, the coaching, and the blog. It's all there in one spot so that it's easy to find all the things. Love it. That's perfect. And we'll have the links below too. If you're driving or multitasking, um, you guys can come back to this. Thank you so much for coming on Camille. I seriously had the best time. I learned a lot, took a lot of notes. (laughs) Yay. I'm so glad that's the best. And thank you for having me. I love talking with you. Of course. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you guys soon on our next show. Thank you so much for listening to The End in Mind. I would like to remind you all, if you haven't yet reached out to me on Instagram, we are at Meraki underscore media underscore management. It will be in our show notes as well. If you would like to reach out to me, we always offer free coaching through Instagram based around our Instagram training and our business Instagram practices. If you need any type of support, please do not hesitate to reach out to me there. And we also offer several different types of consulting and training packages if you're looking for a little bit more in-depth tips. So thank you all for listening in. And of course, I want you all to keep the end in mind as you continue with your day and or work week. Have a great week and I will see you all next time.